I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Tackling Life Podcast with the great Ray Lewis and me, Dr. Christian Conti. It's the success podcast that tackles life through the lessons of sports. And today, we're not just tackling life, we're tackling space. I am so pumped up, Ray. I know you are so pumped up. We have been fortunate. Uh, a, a friend of ours, you know, a, a lawyer, counsel to you, Ray, Alex Allman, went to high school with someone who just has done phenomenal things with his life, and we are blessed to interview him today. So we are welcoming, Ray, astronaut Reed Wiseman. Reed, hey, how I'm you pumped, doing, man? I'm great, Ray. I'm pumped up to be talking to both of you guys. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Thanks for calling in, man. I know it's been a while, but we finally got you on. So we're really excited about having you on today. You bet. So I got to ask the first question, right? So you're a child growing up. What? When was the moment you said, I'm going to be an astronaut? <laughs> uh, I... I... <laughs> I always kind of had that dream, Ray, but the chances of accomplishing that, I think you can relate to this better than I can, the chances of accomplishing that end goal are so few and far between that you just keep it as a dream and you just keep it out there in the future and it's something that you want to aspire to be, to get to, but you never really think it's going to be reality. And uh, it, 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 it still really hasn't set in and I've been, been in NASA for eight years. Wow. Listen, Ray, Reed, I, one of the things that I'm excited about is I know you're from Baltimore. You grew up in Baltimore. Um, so I'm sure you're a Ray Lewis fan, having watched him played. We, talk, we, we call this podcast Tackling Life. We talk about tackling life through the lessons of sports. And one thing struck Ray and, and, and I when we were looking at your background, and that is you've played a sport that really only a handful of people in the history of humankind have ever played, and that's microgravity ping pong. <laughs> so, <laughs> on the International Space Station. <laughs> Tell us about that a little bit. Uh, it turns out that it is incredibly difficult to play that game. And uh, I was playing with my German crewmate who's uh, got a PhD in volcanology, and he crushed me. I I'm not the most athletic guy, and he just took it to me. So the ball <laughs> starts off bouncing back and forth somewhat slowly, but there's no way to slow the game down. It just gets faster and faster and faster until you lose control. And uh, it turned out to be an extremely difficult game to play, but we had a blast, a lot of laughs doing it. <laughs> I want to set this up for our audience. I mean, you spent, a, was it 165 days on the International Space Station? Is that correct? That's correct, Christian. 
Oh, hold on, hold on, Chris. Right. Okay, Reed. Now, now I need you to, I need you to explain that 165 day mission. So for nearly half a year, I launched mm -hmm. out of Russia on a Russian vehicle, actually out of Kazakhstan on a Russian vehicle. And I went to the International Space Station where I lived and worked and became this spacefaring citizen floating around in microgravity in low Earth orbit and uh, looking at the view, conducting science, working on my body, lifting a lot of weights, um, and really just living off our planet for nearly half a year. It's a pretty amazing experience. Mm. Mm. You were involved in more than 300 scientific experiments. I'm just curious – what stood out to you as one of the most meaningful? I mean, that's, I know there are so many, but in this moment, what stands out to you as one of the most meaningful scientific experiments you did up there? Uh, I think probably the, the neatest thing to be a part of is just living up there. We reclaim all of our water, which means you're reclaiming all the sweat when you work out, all the urine from the bathroom, everything. This all gets recycled up there, and it's a self-contained system, and just functioning in this self-contained world if we set out to mars and that's really what we're trying to do on the space station is learn how to fly to mars and come home it's going to be that closed loop type of system that's going to get us there so just knowing that we have the te technology the engineering advances to reclaim all of this water and work in this closed loop system really impressed me and it, it worked fantastic and the water tasted great trust me wow well, Reed, you know what I, you know doc i gotta go here i'm, I'm gonna go here right now because i need to know Reed. yeah what is it like to walk outside the space station? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're in space, you're up there. So I look at the stars a lot. I stare at the stars in the sky, and I always ask myself, man, what is up there? Like, like what does that look like up there? I need, I need to know that, Reed. Tell me. I, I would like to know, Ray, what is it like to come out of the <laughs> tunnel on your <laughs> Super Bowl game day and to see all those fans just screaming and knowing that it's all for this team that's what it's like for us we're 250 miles up i was completely and utterly terrified the night before my first spacewalk i woke up and there's that cure, uh, that eerie calm and you just know you're going to go outside and do it uh, we opened up the hatch we were over the pacific ocean it was the middle of the night but there was a full moon kind of glinting off of the ocean in the clouds and it looked really inviting out there and uh, as i came out of the airlock and looked around, uh, there's nothing protecting you other than that spacesuit. And, uh, and you just feel completely calm, ready to go to work. You got a huge team on the ground ready to support you. And then it's all about accomplishing the mission. And sure, you take some glances down every once in a while and look at our, our Earth is amazing. That view is, it's just no picture does it justice, no video does it justice. It's just as pretty as you could ever imagine. And, uh, and then it's time to get the job done. And then you kind of lose. You, you lose the focus that you're even floating around above the earth and you're just really, really into your detailed task and getting the job done. Mm. How long into it, honestly, were you? So I, I guess, so I was really, I'm, I'm so, like Ray, I'm so excited to be talking to you. And I mean, what you did, I think, you know, I understand that in life when we accomplish something, we tend to think, okay, we already did that. But for others to look at that, like for me, to imagine these two situations, being in a spacesuit, which my projection is would be claustrophobic because you're right there, but then you're stepping out into infinite space. So I can't imagine two more like contradictory circumstances. But what was it like for you in those initial moments? Because it, it sounds like you got to the job, but right in those initial moments, I would love to hear about that. 
the initial moments, that first time that you're going outside, uh, I think for me it really was the, the days before the anticipation and the fear, the unknown of going out. Uh, the guy that I went outside with, he, he had never done a spacewalk, and I had never done a spacewalk. So we had two rookies going out, out the door, and no good coach is going to send two rookies out the door, but that was, our only, that was our only way to get the job done at that time. <laughs> and so neither of us knew what to expect. And so every single thing was this raw, fresh emotion for us. And we were, we're best friends, the guy I went out with, Alex, and, uh, and it was just, we were giddy. I mean, we were joking around. As soon as I got outside, I was joking with him that he needed to get out there and take a look at the view because it was, it was stunning. And then, seriously, it was, we very quickly adapted to the environment we were in, and we were ready to get the job done. Wow. I, I, I read about you uh, that you did an exp- that for in Russia when you trained, you had uh, – I, I would love to hear about it, but the, uh, was it a containment system where you were two hours in with no oxygen in that system to prepare? And I wonder if that's true. Like how much did that actually prepare you? That is going into a vacuum chamber, so they suck all of the air out of it. And mm. the only thing that's keeping you alive in there is your spacesuit that you're going to launch in, the Russian-built spacesuit that you'll, you'll fly in in your Soyuz spacecraft. And, yes, you sit in there for two hours, and you know that if anything fails on that spacesuit, you're not going to survive unless they can repressurize quickly. And the main point of that is so that you get trust in your equipment. You've got to trust your equipment. It almost becomes a part of you. And so when you put on your gloves and you close the helmet and you hear all the clicks and you know all the safety locks are engaged – you, you completely trust it, 100%. You know that that system is going to work because you've done it on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's a little scary when you, when you go in there to do it, and the last guy who leaves that room just taps you on the shoulder and says, good luck, and then he closes the outer door, and they start sucking the air out of that room. Wow. Um, and then as you're going, every little creak, every little pop in your spacesuit, it's, it makes you concerned at first. And then you realize that it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do, and it keeps you, it keeps you alive. And then from that point on, you never worry about it again. It builds complete trust in your system. Man, you got to have complete trust. Now, I done did a lot of coming out of the tunnels, and I done made a lot of tackles for you, but I ain't never. <laughs> I have never had to depend on my suit. <laughs> yeah, but hey, tr- trust me, Ray. I know there's a lot of your teammates that depended on you, so. <laughs> I know there was a lot of opponents that trusted on their suits to try to contain them when Ray hit them. I know that. (laughs) So listen, what was it like, Reed, like to adjust to zero gravity? It was difficult. The first four days. So when you launch in a spacecraft for the first time, that was like Mm -hmm. my dream coming true. That was my, as we already talked about. And then you actually get into this weightless condition that you're in as you orbit the Earth. And all of a sudden, you realize that this is really terribly uncomfortable. All the food in your stomach is not at the bottom of your stomach. All the blood is shifting throughout your body. Um, you feel congested. You're really disoriented. I felt like I was almost tumbling a little bit. I always felt upside down. And that feeling went on for two or three days. You don't want to eat. You don't want to drink. You don't really want to go to the bathroom, nor do you know how to go to the bathroom. And... Uh, there was a few moments in there where I'm like, you know, this is a great view of the earth, but I think I'm ready to go home. And then I woke <laughs> up on, I woke up on day four and I just felt amazing. Everything started to click. My body understood this new world that it was going to be forced to live in. And from that point on, it was just, it was glorious where everything, I like to say everything on earth is, you know, everything that's hard on earth gets easy when you're in this weightless environment. So to move a refrigerator across the room takes the touch of your finger. Mm-hmm. However, to eat a bag of peanuts 
now becomes a really difficult thing because they're floating around and you can't get to them. And it is, it's an interesting thing that you got to go through. But after day four, I, I felt I felt absolutely great. So moving a refrigerator easily, you got a you got a chance to see what it's like to be Ray Lewis for a minute <laughs> to, to, pick up a, to pick up a refrigerator with one hand. <laughs> That's absolutely right. No, so cut you, it out. Let me ask you this about that four days. Did you know going into it that it was going to take you that four days until you felt normal? And if so, did that actually help having that information going into it? I'm the 538th person that's gone and done this in the history of our of our human species and so i had a pretty good uh intelligence network that had told me the first couple of days are not going to be fun and so i knew going up it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a great ride initially but it totally depends it's person to person whether you some people go up and feel great on day one and some people two or three weeks before they feel great so i knew there would be an adjustment factor and that really helped uh you know i wasn't the first to do this i'm not going to be the last to do this and it definitely helps to know that those that have gone before you are paving the way for you mm. How long? How long did it take from the moment? Because that's amazing. So, so how? Well, I guess two part question, right? Like, is there a is there a physical requirement that you must have to go into space? And then the second one is how how long from takeoff to touch? How long did it take you guys to get where you wanted to be in space? Uh, good question. Um, so, for the physical requirement, Ray. We just got to be healthy because they're sending you up there for six months and they want to make wait, sure. Wait, 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 gonna... wait, stop, Reed. You're there for six months in space? Six months. Oh, my God. Next, Scott Kelly was up there for a year two years ago. So uh, you were there for a long time. You got, The only doctors you have on board are your crewmates. And so they have limited training. We all learn how to kind of fix basic CPR kind of needs for the human body. But beyond that, if you have appendicitis, you're in trouble. If you have a heart attack, you're in trouble. Uh, so they, you get a, a head-to-toe checkout often before you launch. That's a big part of, of the physical prep. And then the mm-hmm. other big part is being up in this weightless environment, you're not walking around. You're, you're not uh, putting your body through daily life chores on earth that keep you strong. I mean, you don't need to just do uh, a couple hundred squats um, when you're in space, you got to maintain everything about your body because you're not exercising your joints. So before we launch, for about two, three years before we launch, we're going through nothing like what a football player would have to do. But I'm in the squat rack. I'm doing uh, deadlifts, bench press, shoulder press, doing a lot of running, et cetera, to keep my, my bone strength as high as I possibly can. That's the physical side. And then uh, the second half of your question, Ray, was how long does it take you to get where you're going? When we sit on the launch pad in our rocket, and I launched out of Kazakhstan, um, it's only an eight-and-a-half-minute ride into low-Earth orbit. And at the end of that, you're doing a little over 17,000 miles an hour. So you can imagine that's quite a heck of a ride. And then oh, once my we're in goodness. Space, it's awesome. It's a great ride. I, I think you should take it, although you'd, you'd be a little cramped in the capsule. Uh, <laughs> and once you're, <laughs> once you're in space, then it takes us uh, about six hours to catch up to the space station as it's hurtling itself around the Earth. So from the launch pad to your final destination where you're going to live for six months is only about six, a little over six hours. It's a pretty quick trip. That's okay. Honestly, so, that's un- that, first of yeah. all, that's unreal that you're flying that fast. So, and, and, and so the moment you got back, I don't want to skip all the way to the end, but the moment you got back, did you kiss Earth? 
<laughs> if if I had been able to bend down and kiss Earth, I probably would have done it. But when you first land, it's the reverse process of going into space. And now your arms are incredibly heavy. Your head is impossibly heavy. You're dizzy. Oh. You're a little wobbly. And so the first thing you're trying to do when you get back is just not throw up. That's That's priority number one. And I was pretty successful at that. And then after a couple hours, then it's time to start kneeling down and kissing the Earth. <laughs> well, l- listen. We need to take we have to take a really quick break. Uh, when we come back, I have so, so many questions. I'm so so excited to be here. Reed Wiseman, an astronaut, spent oh my goodness 165 days in space at the International Space Station. And Ray and I are so excited to be interviewing him. Stick with us on tackling life. We'll be right back after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we're back. Um, Reed, I want to tell you something. So I, I get excited to, t- to share this. I went to space camp when I was a little kid. Uh, when I was 12 years old, my, my, the age my daughter is now, I, had, I got to get in an astronaut suit, and I had my picture taken in a book called A Day in the Life of America. Um, and this is really funny, and I, I can't let this show go without mentioning this and dropping this in here. But my dad was a professor, and my first job, my actual first paying job – was for NASA because my dad was uh, doing a grant for NASA where he created this something called an Explorosaurus, which was a dinosaur for an online program. And my job was to draw this dinosaur. Now, I have to tell you, and this is the funny part, I went on a uh, Disney World ride called Mission Space and I got so sick that there went my NASA dream. So you had to stick with so much and uh, not only compete with people all over the world, but stick with so much. What parts of the training were there that got you to the point where you thought, my goodness, I don't know if I can do this. And then how did you push through it? <laughs> uh, those exist, but I'll tell you, the the nugget at the end is is what keeps you going. And so uh, mm-hmm. spacewalk training, I was shocked how physically demanding that is, how claustrophobic you are the first time you get into a spacesuit. And, uh, and then we spent six to six and a half hours practicing uh, in the pool at, at a single time. So you spend an entire day underwater in this spacesuit practicing spacewalk training and you come out of that i couldn't even cut my steak that night at dinner my my forearms were so tired so that you start to question like am i cut out to do this we also have to learn the russian language because we're operating with the russians our partners on the space station and uh, we're generally flying on a russian spacecraft to get up there and home so you got to know that language and learning a new language when you're 
when you're living in the good old U.S. of A. is uh, is a terrifying thing, and it's very difficult. Those two are probably the big ones. When you get in training, the only thing that's really tough, when you get in training for your mission, so about two years before you fly, it takes us about two years to train up for that mission. Then you're going to Russia, Japan, Europe, back to Russia, back to the U.S., back to Russia. It's very tough on you. It's tougher, tougher on your family, though, and that's that's the hardest part is that hardship of going back and forth. But those are... Those are easy problems to solve when the end goal is you're getting into space. Wow. Mm, wow. Listen, so so check this out. You know, I love to, like, put life in perspective, right? And so with more than, with more than two trillion stars, what were some of the daydreams you entertained while you were, while you were up there? Because I would have been, I mean, I would have been just been, I would have just been floating, laying down, like, wow, I can see the stars from this close. <laughs> I, I completely agree, Ray. And what you what you end up doing is you turn off all the lights inside uh, the space station. You get it real dark, and then at night you look out, and you only have about twenty minutes of nighttime when you're going around the backside of the Earth, and the, the the Earth is blocking the sun. And you get to look out at those stars. Once your eyes adjust to that, and you get to see, uh, you can't even really make out the constellations because there are so many stars. You get lost you know it's pretty easy on earth to look up and find the big dipper or to find orion when you know where they are from the Mm -hmm. space station you just couldn't even find them because there were just so many stars and then it makes you think like what just being alive is such a gift to be able to look and think and and just feel these emotions and then you got to look at all those stars and think most of those stars have planets around them some of those planets might have some crazy creepy life on it or some friendly life or something and it just it turns you into a dreamer wow hmm. how much time did you say you had of, of of where it was no where it was all that darkness it really depends on where the earth is around the sun i won't go into the details but you generally going around the backside of the earth you're going around the earth once every 90 minutes so the absolute maximum nighttime you would have from that is about 45 minutes so Best case around forty to forty-five minutes of nighttime as you're on the on the dark side of the earth there. <laughs> but you but you have that but you have that Christian sixteen times a day and you know when it's coming so you can set your clock and and go check out something if you want to at night. I, I, I have chills listening to that. I have chills listening to that. That's I mean that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life actually. I, I just never thought read really, honest. I just never thought I'd be talking to an astronaut. <laughs> it's it's fun it's fun for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Look, so how is your so how is your perspective like shifted from before you went to space? I think when you get to look out the the biggest impact when you get to look out from the space station down at the earth, mm-hmm. you wow. see the earth as a planet going around the sun, you don't really see it as grass and dirt and concrete and cars and people. You just look out and there's the absolute blackness of, blackness of space and then there's Earth. And you really, really realize it's round, it's going around the sun, and it looks a lot like Mars and Venus and Mercury. It's just got that incredible gift of this atmosphere and these blue oceans that we have that keep everybody alive. Mm. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, for me, Reed, I'm so fascinated with space. I have been my whole life. And I kind of do this uh, meditation where I visualize myself above the earth, 
Um, there's a special meditation where you kind of breathe in the pain of others and and breathe back healing energy toward them. So I really, I, I and I've also kind of made a career out of putting myself in other people's shoes. So I really want to almost be in your shoes, in behind your eyes. And hear about like your thoughts and your emotions, whether they were spiritual or whether or not you would cla- – even if you didn't classify it as spiritual, as profound. What were some of the most profound moments for you in, in, in your journey? I don't know how much time we have left, Christian. So there are definitely <laughs> – there are definitely spiritual. There's definitely profound. I think the coolest part is that every every astronaut that I talk to has this this uh, change in perspective. But everybody's change is different. Everybody is a very personal reaction to being in space. And uh, and for me, it was just really that my my biggest thing that hit me on the space station with Earth was that Earth is alive. You fly around this this planet. 16 times a day and you're doing it for almost six months and then that planet is going around the sun for six months that's half a year i got to see what what the fall looks like when the leaves start changing up in new york and across the northern part of the u.s i get to see the first snowfalls come into canada Um, you get to see uh, south of the equator they go from winter into summertime Uh, you get to see the hurricanes you could see flooding you could see huge fires, sandstorms that are blowing sand from Africa all the way across the Atlantic Ocean, and that sand is landing in South America. I just had no idea how alive our planet is. I thought that the creatures on our planet were alive, but it turns out that it's everything. Our planet's alive. We're alive. It's just that's the thing I took away. See, that's why God is absolutely amazing. I mean, just absolutely amazing that you can see it from that angle and see all of those things moving. So I so I got to ask this. Like, did you <laughs> did you ever just one time think like, am I closer to God? Like, 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 where is like, where is heaven? Like, where is he? Because when you look up there, right, you're always saying, wow, I wonder, I wonder, does it just does it just keep going? And, and so I, I wonder, did, did that ever cross your mind? You know, what I think, Ray. I think it just keeps going. Wow. I really think you'd, I think, you know, we're 250 miles off the surface of the earth when we're up there. That yeah. is not far. I mean, think about 250 miles. You jump in your car and what, five or six hours, you've driven that far. You're not that far off the planet. Now, nice. I think if you're out at Mars and you're looking mm-hmm. back at this little blue dot that is, you know, teeny, teeny, tiny, you almost can't even see it, then I think you've made it. I think you're out there and you're looking back at everything. And uh, I think it just would be an amazing thing to do. I'm, wow. I'm honestly like these are there are some moments and Ray's been instrumental in my own life in 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 teaching about the saying something when you have the chance to say it um, from brotherhood um, to just being able to, as men to be able to express love. So, Reed, I got to tell you how much this interview means to me and how much this moment means to me and what your answer just meant to me. Our daughter, we named our daughter Kaya, which is Celtic. Uh, in Greek, the Mother Earth is named Gaia, which is Mother Earth, which is Mother Earth is alive. So for us, for our daughter, that is a real, real meaningful thing. And for you to say that the Earth is alive, like that really hits me on a, on a deep level. I can't thank you enough for that, that perspective. That's, that's really meaningful for me. No, you just made my day, Christian. Thank you. Well, well, I think I think just to put a put a bow on that, uh, Christian, is because when you hear that, right? You and 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 Reed, you got to understand this. This is why why we do this podcast. 
because you know we live on a we live in a world now where people don't slow down to understand everybody's journeys are different but everything around you is alive it's it's really alive and life is moving and and things are shifting and so when you see it from that perspective you know i've i've always said this you know people sometimes need to turn their cameras upside down and actually view the picture from the way god sees it because the way God sees your picture is totally different than the way you see your picture. And for me, what you just said summed up a lot. Like like today, it, it, that moment, what you just told me, it inspired me from a different perspective. Because if that many things are actually moving, then it always takes me back to scripture that says, if many are called, then what's the special thing about the few that's chosen? If we're all moving, we're all moving. What's that special thing that 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 selects that few and and for you to be 538 people who's ever seen that side of life that's the few that will never they, they, and 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 man so just powerful just really powerful yeah You give me chills Ray <laughs> I love there's a comedian Brian Regan and he's hilarious and he talks about how uh, you know you meet people sometimes who are toppers and they always want to be like uh, top whatever story you have but he said if you're ever in a room with an actual astronaut who's <laughs> done what you've done which is walk in space like who's ever going to top that so <laughs> you have to be able to sit back at parties sometimes and when some guys brag and go oh yeah I walked in space <laughs> you got you guys you gotta be humble but you also got to know when to pull out the firepower if you're going to need it. <laughs> no, I got you. God <laughs> can do anything you want to do in the earth, and then you turn around and say, I just got through walking on space of two days ago. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. We got to take one more quick commercial break. When we come back, we got just a couple more questions. We wind it down uh, with you, Reed. This is just awesome. Stick with us. Uh, we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Um, we are we are tackling space, honestly, with astronaut Reed Wiseman. This is just such an honor. As Ray said, fewer than six hundred people in the history of world have ever been to space. And let me something let me that, ask him a quick question. Go ahead, let go me ahead. ask because because I know we uh, we wind it down. And Reed, we really, really, really appreciate you, man. And I would love to meet you in person. I know you're in the Baltimore area, man. So we can just do lunch and just go. I would just love to pick your brain just to have conversation. Really, not even you know necessarily have something to talk about. But listen, so we always giving our our listeners something to take away, right? And and me and Doc really thought about this, right? In the time that you are up there, we, you know, we talk about relationships a lot on our show. And you experienced living with a small group of people in a small environment for a long time. I'm just I'm wondering, but I would love for people to hear, like, what can you teach us from that? Mm. Mm. That's a, I've never been asked that question, and I'm going to do my best to uh to answer it the way I want to, the very first thing I want to say is when you are removed from the 7 billion people on earth and it's just six of you up there, you start to realize how much friends and family back home mean to you. And it puts that into a whole new perspective for you, that that core group of people that you trust and you love, that, that is the thing that you miss the most when you're away from it. And so that really helps you put that into focus. 
Mm. And then the other piece of it is you are up there with five other people. It's a crew of six total and you're, you're isolated up there. And if you are doing something to annoy your buddy or things aren't going well, that affects everything that affects everybody's mood. It affects your performance. And so the thing that we try to really do is just be honest with each other. And, and starting on day one, we just give each other feedback on how things are going. And, uh, you know, we had arguments. There were bad days. But overall, uh, we came out of that as uh, great, great friends. And I flew with uh, a few Americans, a German, and uh, several Russians. And we still keep a text chain going. I, ju- I was just texting these guys last night, making a couple jokes to them. And they become part of your family. They become part of your best friends when you come back from that experience, if you did it successfully. I was going to ask you that. Does that brotherhood last forever? Forever, Ray. It's forever. never going to be broken. Mm. Mm. So, so you experience a while. Go ahead, Doc. Go ahead. So, well, well, so I mean, for me, like that's in, that's so big because Ray and I have talked about this, about how you act affects everyone. So what, what you just said kind of made it so magnified for people. And I really hope our listeners understand this and feel this in their hearts but so when you what you I hear what i think i hear you saying if i'm hearing it correctly is you have to be mindful of your behavior because you're watching how it directly impacts others and when it's so few people versus the seven billion you have six other people you really need to be mindful and i think that's a lesson everyone can learn from we call it expeditionary behavior. That's what our lingo uses, but that's exactly mm. right. You have to know when to follow. You have to know when to lead. You have to be an active listener at all times. You've got to be looking for these cues from your friends up there. How are they doing? Are they having a good day, a bad day? Am I causing their good day, their bad day? How can I adjust? How do they need to adjust? And, and you've got to be a really tight team. Mm. So, 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 so going to space can teach our country how to live with each other again, basically. Uh, you might be asking too much of us, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> but it just it speaks about the trust. It speaks about the connection. It speaks to, it speaks about the the the, the con- being concerned about but about your brother's emotions and making sure that you pick him up. And yeah, every day won't be a good day, right? But you have to quickly get out of that bad day to make sure that you guys continue a great day. Right. And so everything you're saying, man, relationship wise, one of the things, one of the reasons why we do this, because, you know, a lot of people call, uh, you know, write, write in about, you know, they're dealing with a co-worker at work and they don't know how to deal with this person. And, you know, I'm in the locker room. and they, But when you hear being away from the earth, <laughs> six people away from the earth for six months, for six months that, that I, I go back to it again, read many are called few, few are chosen and the reason why i keep bringing up that scripture is because i'm gonna I'm, i have a couple of speakings i have to go speaking in, in a few churches and stuff and one of the things that i'm starting to speak on now is i want to carry this for like the next year right because there are so many people that's called read but the few that's chosen all of the 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 rigorous things that you had to go through to get to space. See, a lot of people just look at space and say, oh my gosh, he got to space. But nobody knew about the years of training, the years of sacrifice that you had to go through to get there. And then once you get there, you have to trust these people you're with for six months. Man, that's unbelievable. I cannot believe I'm telling you in a million years that I'm having this conversation. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's heavy. Yeah. 
I, I gotta, I gotta say, as you're talk, as we're talking, like I just followed you on Twitter because I gotta stay connected to you. I'm just telling you, Reed, I have to stay connected to you. That <laughs> uh, likewise, I, I have a date, uh, a lunch date with Ray here, and uh, we're looking good. <laughs> That's awesome. Because listen, there's something that Ray has been speaking about for a long time, and I, I would love to wind it down with you talking about this. So Ray often, and, you, and and as you know, I mean, and this is great. Like whether you're in on Earth or you're out in space, you know, Ray is just honestly one of the greatest motivators in the history of the world and he talks about the dash on the tombstone how we might have a a beginning that our our born date and then our end date and then there's that dash and and i and i want and and you talked about I, i got to watch some things on you in the past and you talked about how you can't waste time in space because you have to be, you just you you have to be able to be efficient with your time. So I'm wondering if you could talk about how you could bring that concept of you can't waste time to what Ray talks about with uh, that dash and, and making your life meaningful as we wind this down. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. That's a that is a deep deep topic. I, I think the the thing in space you can't waste time because. You're up there for a short amount of time, and you've got to get the job done. And you have a team on the ground that is planning out your day into five-minute increments. You know, they're going to get the maximum efficiency out of you that they can. And it changes you when you come home in that uh, any idle time for me is, now just feels like wasted time when you're trying to get something done. So it, that side of it changes you. But on a life side, um, I think we go through changes as we as we age, and when you're a young buck heading out there, there there are goals that you have, and I think those are internal goals. These are like this is what I want to do with my life. I want to achieve the following thing, and I think as we get older and maybe we accomplish some of these goals, I I'm starting to feel I'm 42 years old. I think Ray, you're pretty close to that. I'm starting to feel I'm 42. Like, I, perfect. I'm starting to feel like you want to change that once you've gotten all these gifts and you've been rewarded for these efforts that you've made in the first half of your life i want to turn it i get more joy now out of watching somebody launch into space that hasn't done it before than i'll get the next time i get to do it and it's how do we turn this around and give back that's the thing i'm struggling with right now and uh, ray i think you're doing an amazing job of that Mm. man first of all let me say thank you a million times for this reason the way you just ended that because, you know, everything that we we learn and everything that you just said, the only way to give back is to reward the next man that's coming after you. Right. Pay, pave the way, you know, do the things that you did. And 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 I just want to say, man, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, just awesome to really hear these stories that I've always wondered when I was a kid. Like, what was that like? Like, how does an astronaut think? <laughs> like, like, who is that person that? is that you know dedicated to making that happen for history for mankind so we can you know find out different things that's going on in our world man so first of all i thank you for being you know one of those leaders one of those few that's been chosen and uh i cannot thank doc enough for just you know breaking down how we wanted to have this conversation with you because we wanted you to really you know teach us like what it is and i know we can talk for ages about this man so I, I look forward to having some lunch with you sitting down with you man breaking bread and it's a good thing doc i appreciate you but reed thank you so much i learned so much today and one of the things i learned is space time you can't waste it <laughs> you can't waste it <laughs> yes yes yeah man
Reed, thank you so much for coming on. Like, honest to goodness, like I want to be at that lunch. And like I said, I'm staying connected with you. Uh, you are just fascinating. And what you've done is phenomenal. You're an inspiration. You're an inspiration to so many people. And your words taught me a ton today. So I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're, you are so welcome. I've been smiling the whole time. This is the highlight of my day. It'll be the <laughs> highlight of my week for sure. And then I'm going to go over and watch a crew launch uh, into space here in about a week and a half. And I'm looking forward to that. And it'll be the next step watching the two, three next guys go up there. That's <laughs> awesome, man. Hey, Doc, Doc, before I let Reed go, let me invite you to the lunch. Don't invite yourself, okay, Doc? <laughs> go ahead and invite me anytime you want to invite me because I'm ready to be there. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much, Reed, man. We appreciate you. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. It's been an honor. All right. And I look All forward buddy. to our next meeting. All right, thank man. Take Reed. care. Hey, thank you to our listeners. Thank you so much for downloading the Tackling Life podcast. For more Tackling Life content, go to tacklinglifepodcast.com. You'll find links to our pages on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other podcast sites where you can subscribe and get two all-new episodes automatically downloaded every week. When you visit the Tackling Life website, you'll find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages where you can also give us feedback, questions, ideas, and suggestions. You can also call us at 646-762-4432. We might play your message on the show. That's 646-762-4432. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. I mean, honestly, I speak for Ray in saying that this interview with astronaut Reed Wiseman was phenomenal. So please share it. Hey, until next time, for the legend, Ray Lewis, I'm Dr. Christian Conte. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.